the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church, where we minister in the spirit of excellence under the leadership of our anointed senior pastor, Bukas Sterling III. Please stay tuned at the end of this broadcast for information on how to obtain a copy of today's message in its entirety. And now, Pastor Sterling. Praise the Lord. Catherine, I want to invite your attention on this morning to the Gospel of John, chapter 10. John chapter 10. If you have your Bibles with you, and you should, turn there with me. And when you get there, let me know you're there by saying amen. John chapter 10. We'll begin our reading at verse 7 of John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verse number 7. God's word reads as follows. Then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that you may have a life and that you may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees a wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I am known by my own. Amen. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we honor you this morning. We bless you. We thank you for your grace, which is absolutely amazing. How you love us so, and how you gave your life for us, and how, Lord God, you've given us privileged opportunity to even stand here this day to declare your holy word and to hear and sit under your word without threat of life or danger. Thank you, God. Father, in the name of Jesus, it's my prayer on today that as I stand to declare your word, that you would speak through these lips of clay, words of life. Words, God, that would draw someone who is in darkness into the marvelous light, that they might repent of their sin, place their faith in you, surrender to you as Lord and you alone. Father, I pray for that one who's drifting in their fellowship, Lord God, who's fallen away, that you would draw them by the preaching of the gospel back into a relationship with you, that they would understand and see the significance of staying close to the one who gave his life for them. Father, I pray that the word of God would be a means of edification, a means of glorification. God, in the middle of all that is done and all that is said, your name, I pray, gets all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. Lord, I surrender myself a vessel in your hand. Accomplish your will through me this day. Allow my mind clarity of thought, my lips clarity of speech. 
that your word might ring clear in the ears and the hearts of all who hear it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Katherine, we've uh, been on a journey preaching through a series of messages entitled, You Matter. We began our series in Matthew chapter 15. And we spoke there from the subject matter, I know who you are. And then on last, when we were together, uh, Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 8, we spoke from there, be certain of you, for we discovered there in Jeremiah, as God spoke to Jeremiah, that God had already set everything in motion for Jeremiah. In fact, God says of Jeremiah, Jeremiah, I have preconceptional knowledge of you. In other words, Jeremiah, I knew you before you were even conceived, before your conception took place, I knew you. And Jeremiah was also encouraged, and we were also encouraged to know that not only does God have pre-conceptual knowledge of us, but he has pre-incarnational setting apart of us. In other words, before we were born, before we became incarnate, God set us apart unto an assignment that only we could fulfill. And he set us apart at setting apart unto that ministry, that, that assignment, that duty that we have for him as we live this life. And then finally, the Lord revealed to us, that there is predestinational success for you. In other words, I didn't make you to be a failure. I made you to succeed, and you will succeed. You will do what I've ordained for you to do. You will do and accomplish what I've set you apart to do. You will be able to accomplish all that I put my Holy Spirit in you to allow you to accomplish. So your success is already predestined by God. Somebody should have got excited about that right there. So as we continue to press our way through the series of messages, we actually have stated this before, that many people today are very confused and, and very uh, uncertain as to whether or not they even matter at all. Many are going through and are questioning themselves whether or not they matter to their parents. Do I matter to my children? Do I matter to my spouse? Do I matter on my job? Does anybody even care? Do I matter at church? Do I matter among friends and family? Do I matter? Am I important? Am I anybody? Does, it, does anybody care about me in this world? Do I even matter to God? Does God care about me? Well, I'm on assignment this morning to help you with that question, to help you in understanding, yes, you matter to God. And God loves you greatly. He has a great and awesome love for you. In fact, in the process of pastoring and, and preaching, I've realized that God is always telling us how much he loves us. Did you realize that the Bible itself is God's love letter to you? To let you know how much he loves you? To let you know how much he cares about you? To let you know you matter to him? Don't let the world unravel what God has clearly said about you. Don't let circumstances and situations cause you to question whether or not God loves you. If you want to know whether or not you're loved or whether or not you matter, open up the Bible. God is writing a love letter saying to you and saying to me, I love you. You mean the world to me. And so we have this word of God. We have God continually saying this. And one of the things I've learned in the reading of Scripture and, and the studying of the word is God is always telling us he loves us as the shepherd of his sheep. Even as an under-shepherd, I've come over the years to adopt the phrase that I always close all my correspondence to the congregation in, and that is loving my sheep. Because I'm just modeling what I see Christ doing. He's always loving his sheep. And so, since God's given me this responsibility as an under-shepherd to watch over this flock, I too am, am modeling God and trying to love 
the sheep of God and always loving the sheep of God. And so I always sign off, loving my sheep, Pastor Sterling. Uh, as you understand that and we grab a hold of that and we see that God is always loving us and God is always pouring out his affection towards us, as we deal on this third part of the series of messages from this particular text, I want to talk to you from that subject matter loving my sheep. I want to use that as our subject this morning because I believe even in this text, that's exactly what God is saying to us. That's exactly what God is doing. He's loving his sheep and he's letting us know that he loves us. In fact, if you look through this text and as we walk through this text, there's three things that Jesus is going to share uh, with us that prove to us that he is busy loving on us. Are y'all still here with me? He's going to reveal this to us. He's going to open it up to us because just in case you were curious, just in case you were wondering whether or not he loves you, whether or not he cares about you, again, uh, we're going to see it in this text, and you'll see it throughout the Scripture. Even, in fact, on this particular day as we read the the text of Luke and we read about the Lord coming into Jerusalem, and and as he ascends into Jerusalem, and you know the story because you hear it every Palm Sunday, but as he ascends into Jerusalem and he looks over the city, the Bible says he weeps over the city. You know why he weeps over the city? Because he loves the people of the city. God loves us. He really, really does. And so this morning, let me delve into the text here and and help us to see how God is loving his sheep. Um, If you read through this particular chapter of chapter 10, in the first five verses of chapter 10, Jesus is going to use an illustration that nobody seems to understand. They know what he's talking about. So they don't understand what he's talking about. He kind of rephrases, regroups, and says this thing in a different way. So he says, so Jesus said to them again, after they didn't understand what he said in first answer, like, what is he talking about? They didn't understand. That's what verse 6 tells us. So Jesus says again, he says, most assuredly, I say to you that I am the door of the sheep. He starts right there. The first thing I just want to extract from this text is to let you know that Jesus tells us in the as a mechanism of a way of proving to you I love you and that, that you matter to me, I am the door. Now, I looked at this in the most simple terms that I possibly could, and I said, okay, what is a door? What is Jesus saying when he says, I am a door of the sheep? A door is just an access way. It's the way you go in and it's the way you come out. It's an entry point. It's an access control point, if you will. It's just simply that. But Jesus says, I am the access point. I am the control point. I am the entryway for the sheep. Because he says, I am the door of the sheep. So I am the entryway of the sheep. I am the doorway of the sheep. In fact, he comes back and he says, up until this time, if you look there in the text, verse number eight, he says, everybody who came before me, they're just thieves and robbers. And the sheep didn't hear them. So Jesus says, look, up until this point, there was no entryway. There was no access point. There was, as, as the sheep were wandering over the field and, 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 and in threat of danger and life and everything else, up until now, there was nowhere for them to go into. There was no, in fact, everybody who pretended to be a doorway or to, who pretended to be a door, they were just thieves and robbers. In other words, they didn't, come to get, they didn't come to help the sheep. They came to take the sheep out. They didn't come to bring them in. They came to take them out. They were thieves and robbers, and, and, and in essence, what Jesus is saying, anyone who pretended to be who I am before now, they were fakes and phonies. Anybody who said they were the Messiah, anybody who said they were capable of giving you everlasting life, anybody who said they had hope for you before I came, they ain't nothing but a liar. 
They're thieves and robbers. They came to take from you, not to give to you. They came to, by trickery of hand and, and cover of night to take from you what you had or what was even possible for you. So he says, look, there's no other way. There was no way before me. There was nothing, no way to go in, no way to come out. There was no access control point. You were on an open plane, and you were vulnerable to all that was there. And then he comes back in verse 9 again, and he says this thing again. Now, this is always interesting to me when, when the Lord starts repeating himself because he doesn't stutter. But he says this thing again, and, and in a very close context. If you look there, he says in verse number 9, Again, he says, because he already said most assuredly in verse number 7, I am the door of the sheep. But he comes back again in verse number 9, and he says at the very beginning of verse number 9, I am the door. Why does he want you to know that he is the door? He wants you to know that he is the door because as the door, he is demonstrating his love for you. Y'all still here with me? Y'all wandering? Jesus says, I am the door. I'm the access control. I am the way. I am the truth. I'm the door. Everybody else were fakes and phony. I am the true door. And he says it again to us, I am the door. But this time when he said it, he paints for us, along with his statement, a verbal picture of the shepherd having watch over the sheep. I have an illustration here. What the shepherd would do. He realizes, first of all, that all out in the open field, that there's all kind of dangerous animals out there, and there's, they're coming after the sheep. They're looking for opportunities to take the sheep captive, wolves, bears, lions. And so what the shepherd would do was he would take the, um, wait a minute. I'm going to try to talk and do this at the same time. And one of the problems with illustrations is they don't always work as smoothly as they go in your mind. Like this rope is supposed to be a little smoother than this. But nevertheless, what the shepherd would do, he would begin to set up a bin, a pen for the sheep. Okay, so he would set his rod or staff in place. I'm not going to talk much. Oh, he's going to do it. I'm going to talk. Okay. That works too. So what he would do, he would, he would set this, this pin up, and this pin is called a fold. And the fold was, the purpose of the fold was so that he could, especially at the close of a day, he could bring, just keep going down a little bit further. I'm going to come all the way around. I want to, I want to make sure we got a nice fold. Um, so what he would do, he would, first of all, he would, he would determine a good place where when I bring my sheep into, they'll be able to have some good food to eat while they're in here. So he wouldn't bring them into a dirt pasture. He, he would bring them to a nice green pasture. That's far enough. And then come back this way. And so he would bring them in. He would make sure, check all this out. So all this be lush grass and lush greenery in here, safe food for them to eat, etc. And he would, he would start to lay out this whole encasement, this whole pen for them. And in order to lay out this pen for them, he set it all the way around. And you can go around that side of the pulpit and come on back to this stand right here. If, see, the ropes never participate. They just, the illustration is not participating with the plan. The plan is not, but it's coming together. It's coming together. As the shepherd would, would, would do that, 
And so the rope is almost there. It's almost there. And so as the shepherd would do this, he set this whole thing up. And so that when it came time for the sheep to come in from the dangers that were out on the plane, let me pull this out here. He would put it all in place so he got it all wrapped up. Y'all see that? Everybody see the the pen that I've created? That's what the shepherd would do. And every good shepherd had a rod and a staff. Now, this is my staff for today. Somebody saw me walking with this the other day, and they was like, what happened to your leg, Pastor? I said, nothing. This is for illustration. And, in fact, somebody left this here, so they must have got healed. And so I got this out the lost and found. Thank you, sir. <laughs> and so what the shepherd would do after he's created this pen, he would then start calling his sheep. Now, every shepherd has a unique call for his sheep, and only his sheep know his call. And nobody else can imitate his call. Y'all still here? And even if two herds of sheep came together and the shepherds were talking to each other, when they got ready to leave, and I've literally seen this happen, the one shepherd would begin calling his sheep and he would start walking away. And every one of the sheep, even though they were mixed in with another herd, they would all leave that herd and follow only their shepherd. Y'all still here with me? And so the shepherd would start calling his sheep in. And he'd say, Anthony, come on in. And then Anthony would come on up. And he just start, this is one of them slow sheep. You know, sheep are not that, sheep not that smart. They, they, they don't, they're not that quick. They, and, and he would say, Calvin, come on in. And he would say, uh, uh, Colin, come on in. And he would say, uh, David, come on in. And he would start calling his sheep in. And I don't want to call too many because somebody might not come. But I'm just giving this an illustration, and he would, he would be calling them in. And then what he would do, he would, he would, now that I've got them in the fold, I've called them into safety, away from the lions and tigers and bears. Then he would stand at the gateway, the entryway, and now he would sit here, and he says, now I'm the door of the sheep. Now anybody coming in for the sheep, they got to come through me. And any other sheep that want to come in, they got to come in through me. And I know you might want to go in through Buddha, but Buddha ain't the door. I know you might want to come in through Confucius, but Confucius ain't the door. I know you want to kind of come in and sneak in some other way, but if you come in any other way, you're a thief and a robber because I am the door. And I'm the door of my sheep because I'm, I'm controlling who can come in. And I'm also, watch this, I'm also controlling when they come out. But watch this. Now, let's say Anthony decides he wants to come out. Now, because I'm the door, I'm the access control point. If there's any danger out there, I'm going to keep the door closed. Listen to me. Now, Anthony might get mad because he can't go where he wants to go. But the door is just protecting you. Lord, help me here. He's just, he's just keeping you from danger. And I know you want to push the door open. Don't push the door open. The door is in place to keep you safe. But when there is no danger out there and Anthony wants to move, I'll just move out the way and I'll open up the door and say, come on out. And when he comes out, he also still finds safe pasture. So he can go out and he can come in. Y'all still see this picture? 
Thank you, volunteers. So Jesus says, I am the door. He's the entry control point. He's the access control point to the sheepfold. I'm, I'm so glad about that. I really am so glad about that. Because as I read through this text, he says, if anyone enters by me, if he comes in by me, he will be saved from the danger out there, from the judgment out there, from the destruction out there, and will go in and out and find pasture. Because I'm, I'm the door. And as the door... He's always protecting the sheep because he loves his sheep because his sheep matter to him. Sometimes, as I said, we get frustrated because the door is not opening when we want it to open. But you need to hear this. The door is remaining closed for your own good. So he says, look, I am the door, first of all, and you matter to me. Secondly, he says, in verse 10 picks up, he says to them, in essence, I am the life giver. He says, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. So, what Jesus does after letting them know I am the door, again, to let you know I'm loving you. I'm loving on you. I'm loving my sheep by being the door. But I'm also loving on my sheep by being the life giver. He says, I want you to understand something, sheep. There is a threat to your life. You have an adversary who has three plans for your life. One of his plans is to steal your life. That, that's the plan. That's the plan of the adversary, the one that's against you. The second plan is to kill you of any life you have. He wants to take your joy. He wants to take your enthusiasm. He wants to take your worship. He wants to take your family. He just wants to kill everything in your life. That's his plan. And his plan is to destroy everything that looks like God. His, his plan is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. If you don't understand that's what your adversary is out to do, then you're going to find yourself in great danger of having your life taken. Because watch this, if the one who's coming is not bringing life, that's your adversary. So he, he's trying to help them to understand there's a true difference between the one who really wants to help you. The one who really loves you is bringing life. Oh my God, I just heard something. But, but, but the one who doesn't care about you, he's trying to take your life. Uh, the one who loves you is putting, is, is depositing something in you positive. But the one who, who, who's a thief and a robber, he's trying to take, 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 take. Y'all need to hear this beyond just the holy and the divine level. You need to hear this on the secular level. You need to hear this on the relational level. You need to hear that the one who loves you is not the one who's trying to destroy you. The one who loves you is not the one who's taking and taking and taking and taking and never giving. The one who really loves you is depositing in you and give. oh, Lord, have mercy, and giving you life. Woo, Jesus, and they can't give what they don't have. So when you go hook up with a heathen, you need to understand a heathen doesn't have life, so they can't transfer. If they're dead, all they can bring to you is death. Jesus says, your adversary, your adversary, the thief, Satan, 
He is come. He has been loosed. He's out on the plane out there seeking whom he may devour, and he wants to take your life. To continue our journey, tune in next week for the second half of today's message. Praise the Lord. You have been listening to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church under the leadership of Senior Pastor Bukas Sterling III, where we minister in the spirit of excellence. We pray that you have been richly blessed by today's message. Financial contributions in support of this ministry are welcome. We thank you in advance for uniting with us in Kingdom Building. For a copy of this sermon on CD or to hear this message again on the web, please visit our website at KetteringMinistries.org and remember to reference the title or broadcast date. We hope that you have enjoyed our journey together and we invite you to join us for one of our spirit-filled worship services Sundays at 8 a.m. or 11 a.m. at our new edifice called the Legacy Center located at 6909 Crane Highway, Upper Marlboro, Maryland. For additional information, go to our website at KetteringMinistries.org or contact our church office at 301-627-9500. Please join us again as Senior Pastor Bukas Sterling III and the Kettering Baptist Church family minister in the spirit of excellence.